So full disclosure, um, yesterday after doing a wedding, uh, Becky Ogle, our organist, and I were having a little conversation, and I told her I was a little uncertain about how this morning's sermon would go um, with answering all, trying to answer all these questions, and she said, well, just be like a politician and don't give any answers. <laughs> I think you'd be a little disappointed if I just uh, gave you doublespeak. Um, so I'm going to try to give you as much as I can, um, recognizing that not every question can be answered. There are some questions that just aren't answerable, at least not with a nice, precise, uh, packaged truth. Um, we uh, gathered some of us last night for a movie called The Power of the Heart, and in that movie was this one response to the questions of life, that some questions don't have answers. They simply have a path. So sometimes we're led to a path rather than to a particular answer. The other thing I want to say by way of beginning is that um, I'm not going to try to answer necessarily every question, and I certainly won't do it, I'm sure, to your complete satisfaction. Um, But what I will do is speak for myself. One of the beauties of our tradition here at the Neighborhood Church is that each person comes to his or her own faith perspective out of your own background and experience, and we respect each other's uh, own faith journey. And we don't all conform to the same path or to all the same answers. And so I'm not here to tell you what you have to believe or how you need to practice your faith, um, but I will share what David Young has to say about these things, and if some of that's helpful, then great, and if it's not, just throw it out the window. (laughs) So we'll get started. I want to say, though, you have some really good questions. Um, Some of these are very challenging, and there's no way that I'm going to be able to get to everybody's question today, and so I'll apologize for that right up front, but if you're able to come next Sunday um, when we deal with leftovers, I'll try to incorporate as much of the questions that are left over for next Sunday. Um, so we'll just we'll jump in and, and see what we can we can wrestle with today. So the first question is relatively easy. Um, I say relatively. Um, someone wants me to define religion and faith. What is the difference between religion and faith? Well, religion is a larger larger set of principles and precepts. It's sort of what gives shape and story to a particular experience of a people that is born out of their own. Uh, experience and time. And that's what we refer to when we talk about different world religions. We're talking about whether it's the Muslim faith, the Jewish faith, Hindus, Buddhists, or Christians. Those are different religions. Faith is what is lived in the life of an individual practitioner, or as we would say, a believer. Somebody who is a Christian, faith is what we have as our own personal understandings, our own sense of what it is to live out that sense of being in relationship to whatever the larger religion is and to our understanding of how we're to live in the world. So faith is kind of the practice and the living out of, of one's religious tradition. Another question is, says that God is love, and uh, it's talked about throughout the Bible, so what is, is the talk of God-fearing? Um, I love God and don't really comprehend this, quote, fear 
factor? That's a good question because there, depending on the translation of the Bible that you use, there are times when it talks about fearing God. Now, one of the difficulties we have is language. Um, that word fear in Old English means a little bit something different than what it means in our modern use of English. Fear, in that sense, in the Bible, really had to do with awe. It had to do with respect. Now, in, in the older years, in the earlier years of the Jewish faith, God was seen, I'm going to talk about this in a minute, God was seen as distant. This entity that was distant and to be revered and respected, but as this power and entity that was so distant that fear was more in the sense of awe and respect rather than shaking in your boots uh, kind of fear. And the way, because fear in today, what we mean by fear today is it's something that literally the word goes back to the word that means choke and constrict you from being able to breathe. And so you're, you're, when your fears immobilize you and choke you, then you're not able to live uh, your faith. But fear in the biblical sense is more in the sense of awe and respect. So I hope that helps a little bit. Whoops. Um, the next question is, who is Jesus? Is he God in human form on earth, or is he the son of God? Well, this is a very good question. This is a question that I could go on and on about for uh, a couple of hours. So I'm going to try to put it down into a fairly brief statement, but it, it can't be done in just 30 seconds. The early church understood Jesus differently than Jesus himself understood himself, as the early disciples who walked and lived with him understood him. And it really wasn't until later that the church really started to ascribe to him the title, the Son of God. Um, whether he actually used it or not, we don't know, but um, when I think of Jesus, I think of him as the Son of God in this way, that he was in such a special, close relationship with God that he was indeed the Son of God. And yet, each one of us is a son or a daughter of God and has that same potentiality. What distinguished Jesus was not that he... I don't believe Jesus was God, that, Jesus, that God came... Uh, to be one of us and just pretended to be human, but he was just God all the time, just happened to be in human clothes, but pretending to be one of us. No, I believe Jesus was fully human, just like us. And he knew all the struggles, all the realities of living in a physical, real body, that he was a true, full human being. But what made him so special for me was that he was the obedient one. Now, we think of obedience as what, you know, when a parent tells a child to do something, you just, you're obedient. You just do it because mom or dad said to do it. But obedience literally, the word literally means in the Latin, to listen. To listen. And so Jesus was all ears. He was the obedient one in the sense that he truly, more than any other human being, was able to listen throughout his entire life, most closely, and to be tuned in to what God was communicating to him. And then he lived that out in the way he, he practiced his own living as well as how he taught. And so that's what made him so unique and so special 
as the Son of God was that he had that particularly close relationship uh, with God. So, um, but much more can be said about that and probably will in future sermons. Uh, John 14, this was this, that last question and this next question were at the first service too. Um, John 14, 6 quotes Jesus as saying, no one comes to the Father except through me. And the question goes on then, do you believe this excludes non-Christians for heaven and or eternal life? Well, before I answer that second question, um, it's important to have context on this question about uh, no one comes to the Father except by me. That is for, that's John, the first verses of John 14, in which Jesus first says, in my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I should have told you, for I'm going there on purpose to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I shall come again and receive you to myself, so that where I am you may be also. And then he says this extraordinary thing about, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now, we use that a lot at memorial services here at the church. Um, And typically, we leave off that last part about no one comes to the Father except by me, because it needs a lot of interpretation and explanation. And given that when we have memorial services, there are people from other traditions, I don't want to take the time to have to do that. But I'm going to do that this morning for just a a quick minute. Um, I do not, I'm not sure Jesus actually said that. Um, We don't know if he actually said it. Somebody else may have had Jesus saying that. We just don't know. But let's just presume for a minute that Jesus did say it. What I believe is that if he did say it, what he meant was, No one comes to a father-like relationship with God because until now, through me. Because what Jesus did, back to the idea that the Jews thought God was this distant and far off uh, to be revered and respected uh, and be in awe of this distant person, this God figure, Jesus brought an intimacy into our relationship with God. Jesus called God Abba. He said, Papa, or Daddy. So it's like he was saying, Dad, when he addressed him, when he had his conversation. And it's all about a relationship. What Jesus did, the beauty of what Jesus did, is he made this distant God accessible and intimate so that we could have a very close connection with God. It didn't have to be this distant thing, but very close, like we have in in the close love of a family. And so that's what I believe this means about, it doesn't for me mean that he's saying, only if if you come uh, by me. No, he's really saying, only by me do you get this close, intimate relationship. And so for me, that's not an exclusion of non-Christians. It's simply a way of saying, this is how you come to this close relationship with God. And so do I believe it excludes non-Christians from heaven or hell? The answer is no, I do not. I believe that God's love and God's eternal purposes are open to all. And it's not for me to judge who's in and out. I played that game for many years when I was younger, trying to figure out who's in and out and was I going to be in and were all of you going to be in and about saving everybody's soul. Uh, No, I don't do that anymore. That's God's business. I tend to believe it's free and open for everyone. And I'm not here to make those judgment calls. That's, That's God's business. All right. So how free is free will? Free. I believe it's total. 
I believe it's free, total, unbridled, no strings attached. God gives us complete free will. You may have a different opinion about it, uh, and that's fine. As I said at the beginning, we each have our own uh, ways of looking at things, and I'm not here to tell you what it has to be for you. But I believe that's the only way my faith makes sense to me is that it is completely free. We are free to choose what we do, the choices we make at each moment of each day. Um, I didn't know until a second ago that I was going to stand up, but I was free to do it. Now, that seems simple and trite, but people are free to kill. People are free to take advantage of other people. People are free to be liars and cheats and take advantage of others and make money at the expense of others and all the kinds of things we do to each other in this world, this crazy world of ours. And we're also free to make good choices, loving choices, caring choices, compassionate choices. We have that freedom each and every moment, and I believe it is total and it's free. And that's why I don't believe in original sin. I don't believe we're born bad. I don't believe we're born perfect either because we have free will. We have choices. And typically we make some good choices and some not so good choices. And that's true in in our lives. That's true in our relationships. Um, It's true about everything. Um, But... For me, life and faith is all about relationships. It's not about being good or bad. It's not about trying to be perfect. It's about being in good, loving, respectful relationships. And that's what life is about in its fullest. So, um, so then it leads into the next question. How can I know what God's will for me is? What is the voice of God uh, like? And how can I recognize it? How do I know if God exists? Well, um, again, I can't speak for for others. I can't say what that's going to be for you. Um, We can't, we could sit here all day. We cannot prove uh, in complete verifiable fact that God exists. I just happen to know in my own being that God does exist. Um, but it's, it's not something we can prove. It's something we have to come to through our own experience and through how others have shaped and impacted us in our own experiences, life experiences. Um, some people may not have much of a belief in God or an understanding of God until something significant happens in their life. And it shakes them up. It shakes them to the core. And then all of a sudden they have to wrestle with these issues. And maybe God responds and is present to them or maybe not. But I believe, I believe, this is just me, I believe God is real, God exists, God is present, and God wants to be in relationship with each and every one of us. And how we can know God's will for us, um, that's a hard thing. Uh, That's a lifelong journey, really, to understand God's will and to be open for it. But I believe it's not just something we attain through an intellectual exercise. It's not something we can we can think our way to. Our reasoning is important. And in our faith tradition, as part of the United Church of Christ, we believe in the good gifts God has given us, and especially the gifts of the mind. 
And we follow reason as far as it takes us, but then at some point we have to make the leap of faith. And the leap of faith takes us beyond reason. It doesn't put reason aside. It follows reason as far as it can go, and then it takes the leap of faith where we have to trust in things that we cannot verifiably prove. That's what faith is. And to know God's will for us is sometimes it's clear. Sometimes it's like when when your heart just tells you something is right to do. When your heart, you know, I mean, if you listen to your heart, not just your head, if you listen to your heart, you will know more often than not what to do. You know what's right. Call it your conscience speaking to your heart or your heart speaking to your head, however you want to talk about it. But there are parts of ourselves that we can't fully articulate and yet we know to be true. And when that truth speaks from within you, then that's the power of God's will speaking in and through you. But we can't know God's will in every moment and every, everything, but to be open to it, to keep our lives and our hearts open to God, that's, that's the biggest step. But so often we don't do that. We get so busy and so uh, preoccupied with other things that it's hard to hear our heart. It's hard to hear God's will. But, but again, remember what I said about Jesus being the obedient one. He was all ears. His heart, his spiritual heart was all ears to what God was trying to communicate to him. And so the more we can follow that and try to be like Jesus in that way, the more obedient, the more faithful we will be in our living and hopefully be connected to God's will. But when we're not listening, when we're not open, we can't. there's no chance of hearing it. But I, do, I also want to say, I think what you're going to hear and what that message is going to be for you, whether it comes clearly or just subtly or slowly, I don't know how it comes for you, it's going to be a little different for you than it is for me. That's the way God works. The God works through us differently because we're each unique and distinctive. Okay, um, if we all believe in Christ, why are there so many Christian Protestant denominations? That's a great question. Um, ever since, I, I go into this in our new member classes, um, ever since the Reformation, because up until the Reformation it was pretty much one church, the Catholic Church, ever since then, it, people were pretty much told how it was, and they followed. But from the time of the Reformation, people began to start thinking for themselves. The printing press came along. People could actually learn and read the Bible directly rather than having the priest tell them what it had to be. And so um, through that experience, um, people began to have different opinions. Well, you don't even have to look around this room to know that there are many different opinions in this room, and we're just a very small section of Christianity. They had arguments about baptism, whether you should baptize only infants or only wait till people were older. They had arguments about whether you should have communion every Sunday or only periodically. And when they couldn't agree on things, they just split off and started their own church. And to this day, we have hundreds and hundreds of different denominations and churches because people don't all have the same opinion. One of the beauties about the United Church of Christ is that we started to recognize back in the 1900s that our differences don't have to divide us. That we can have a unity in Christ and respect our differences. I love that about our United Church of Christ. 
Differences don't have to divide. A unity in Christ can be, diff- be stronger than our differences. But for so long, people have divided over differences. And, and um, I don't think that has to be the case. We can, we can respect each other and disagree and still hold hands and still be of one, of one spirit, one, recognizing we're all children of God. We just have different perspectives. It's like that in a family. Um, it's a good thing my wife agrees with me on everything. Um, <laughs> she's back there shaking her head. <laughs> Not true. Um, no, but you have disagreements. That, but that's part of what makes life wonderful and rich uh, and engaging. How boring would it be if everyone thought and acted and believed just like I do? How boring would that be? So, um, we're going to have to wrap this up. I'll, t- I'll do one more. How, mu- how, Im- how much importance is it to know the Bible? Um, well, I think it's important. It's not important to uh, uh, know it verse by verse and chapter by chapter. It's not important to know every single thing about the Bible. But it is our book. It's our, it's our book. It's our connection to the past. It's our connection to our religion, what I was talking about earlier. We need to have a connection to it. And not because we have to memorize every bit of it or, or agree with everything that's in the Bible, but the Bible is about relationality. It's about having relationship. And it helps us understand what it is to be in relationship with God, to be in relationship with each other, and to even be in a good, healthy relationship with ourselves. Well, to me, that's important. Um, and it's why uh, I'm not a biblical literalist. I don't believe the Bible literally at every step along the way. But I do think we have to take it very seriously. And we can't write parts of it out just because we don't agree with it or we don't like it. It's all there. We have to deal with it. We have to understand it. Just like I gave the context on the John passage about Jesus being the only way, so on and so forth. We have to struggle with it. We have to wrestle with it. Um, we're not always going to agree on that. That's okay. But it's an important book because it's what we have. But it's not the only thing that we have to our faith. We believe in the United Church of Christ that God is still speaking, that God, is, God didn't stop talking and communicating and wanting to be in relationship with us when the Bible was canonized, when everything that's in the Bible was officially put in the Bible. God continues to have a relationship with us. and We struggle with that and we wrestle with that and we try to be open to that. But the Bible is our primary Uh, written source for trying to understand what that relationality is all about. And we can sum it up, and I'll close with this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. When you practice that, and when you believe that, back to the question about God's will, I believe you're doing God's will. Um, So unfortunately, that's where we have to leave it. If I didn't get to your question, I apologize. I'm going to try to wrap a lot of what's not in today's sermon next week. Um, I hope you can come back if you're available and we'll be dealing with leftovers. So again, thank you for the questions. They are wonderful. And I encourage us to keep this dialogue going. I'll be at the coffee hour afterwards if you want to come up and have conversation throughout the coming weeks. Um, Let's keep this dialogue of questions and just trying to discern how God is working in our lives. And if there are any questions that that either I didn't answer well or you don't feel God answered today, well, just talk to Michael. Um, (laughs) 
So thank you for the questions, and uh, let's keep our faith and our conversation and our relationship with God and each other alive and growing.